0: Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast, a podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith for the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. My name is Heather, and I'm a longtime youth ministry leader, lover of sweatpants, and I'm the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry.
1: And I'm Mark, a longtime youth pastor, ancient studies nerd, and Star Wars aficionado. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network.
0: Friends, welcome back to the show. It's Heather here, and I'm with Mark and a super special, fun guest. You might know her as Torah Tuesdays or Bearing God's name, or hey, she just found out at 40 that she has dual citizenship, you guys. We've got Dr. Carmen Joy Imes on the show today. And we're so excited to have her on the show. So, Dr. Imes, welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and welcome to the United States, too. You're back in the U.S.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: They're in California, so that's what. Are the Dodgers still in California?
2: Are they the LA Dodgers still, or is that yep, another thing? That, they are. I think okay, so I think so. I'm not really your your go to source for sports information. I, I'll tell quick true story. Yeah, uh, I was at a conference, speaking at a conference in North Carolina in February, uh-huh. and that weekend I was like ready to fly home, and I got this notification on my phone warning me that the LA that LAX might be like especially busy because there was an event in the area and. I was yeah. like, oh, I wonder what the event is. So I texted huh. my husband, by the way, it might be busy near LAX. He's like, oh, you mean maybe because of the Super Bowl? And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I actually did know that there was a Super Bowl, but I did not remember. I, I didn't know that it was in LAX. And still I, I, like it was in LA. I like this,
1: Heather. This is the second guest in a row we've had that's a nerd like me. That's yes. Like, Thank you, Lord.
2: Certifiable. Perfect. Yes. That Perfect
1: moment where Zoolander walks in and his dad's watching the football game and he's like, Who's winning the match? I felt that <laughs> in my heart like so much. And, yeah. Yes. Second guess. Not them. only. Like not me. only
2: that, not only did I not know that the Super Bowl was being held in LA, but I did not know the LA Rams were playing in it. Oh well, yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh,
1: yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm
2: just over here thinking about the Torah,
0: <laughs> right? But you do know important things that the LA Rams should know about. So maybe we should yes. talk about those things because yeah.
1: segue, Heather. Great segue. Thank you. Let's let's dive into the Torah, and I'm really um, excited because this is. Man, this is just a topic I've run into again and again, where as just someone that loves the Hebrew Bible, I constantly get the idea from other people in ministry that basically in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament times, you have the law that God's given to Israel that they're to follow mm-hmm. out. But then Jesus came and grace came and grace is better. And so now the, the law has to be read basically in light of, of what Paul says. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will Mm -hmm. read Paul back into Exodus. And I'd rather ask you like the best way to understand the law first, and then maybe ask what Paul might be getting at.
2: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the most persistent um, problems I see in the, Mm -hmm. in the church in, in terms of misunderstanding scripture. So I'm happy to talk about it. Um, A lot of us grow up reading the Bible or hear about the Bible and think of Old Testament law as that's the stuff that the Israelites had to do in order to earn their salvation. But now we have grace available through Jesus and we're we're not earning our salvation. We just get free, the free gift of salvation in Jesus. And so we don't need that law anymore because we have a new path to salvation. And I think to understand it in that way, really um, works against what the Bible itself teaches. So if you read Exodus carefully, you find that the law doesn't come until chapter 20. And in the first half of Exodus, God has rescued his people from slavery, brought them through the wilderness, revealed himself to them at Sinai in chapter 19, told them they are his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. All of this comes before the giving of the law. The law is not a prerequisite for their rescue or salvation. The law is the way that they are—they're are, they're supposed to live out their mission as the people of God in the world. And so, if I think if we can um, shift our thinking about Old Testament law, even in its Old Testament context, it can help us yeah. understand what Paul's trying to do. Um, the Israelites received the law as a gift, not as a burden. They were not trying to earn their way to heaven. They didn't think about things in that terms. They, no. they saw this gracious gift that the God of the universe, the creator God of the universe, wants to be in covenant relationship with us and wants to dwell in our midst. Mm. And here's how we need to live um, to, to live out of our identity as his chosen people. Um, These are the things that are going to mark our behavior. So the laws kind of show them practically what does it look like to be God's people. And it's actually very similar to what Paul does in the New Testament. Just about every Pauline letter is the first half is exposition and the second half is exhortation. So here's what's true about you in the first half of Ephesians. Um, God's broken down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. Now, here's how you're supposed to live in the second half of Ephesians. Here, here's what I want your churches to look like, what I want your families to look like, what I want your communities to look like. So mm. so Paul shares Moses' belief that our identity as the people of God needs to translate into action in our communities.
1: So youth pastors, listen to that like nine or ten times and yeah, sit for <laughs> real. And let that inform how you read your New Testament. And also how you think about the story of the Hebrew Bible. That's really, really fantastic. And it it cuts against the dominant narrative uh, that's mm-hmm. really kind of supersessionist or like mm-hmm. grace has replaced an yep. old, honestly, can we say like a lot of people think bad way of dealing with God and mm-hmm. actually the gift of the law is an act of grace and it yes. is a gift of grace to what carry the name and the image of God, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is what you talk about in your book, like that we carry God's name, right? That that was their mission, was to carry God's name out into the world.
2: Yeah, Yeah, their mission is the same mission as ours, um, to bear God's name among the nations. And I think when Paul looks at his own context, he's seeing people who are mistreating the law. He's seeing people who are using it as a way of trying to... um, cozy up to God or like, like give, uh, like Brown nose or something like they're, they're trying to make God like them. And he's like, that's not how it works. And it's not that he's, it's not that he's disagreeing with Moses. He's disagreeing with the, the distortions of the Mm -hmm. law in his own generation. And so we, the problem is we see those little bits that he says, and we think, Oh, Paul's condemning the law. No, he's condemning the misreading of the law. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I think Paul and Moses would get along really well. <laughs> that's great. That's,
1: that's really important though. I mean, I, it was explained to me just so vaguely that there were these Judaizers that were after Paul. But the more you dig into the weeds or just study Paul as a person, the verdict really isn't in on him in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the way he's teaching the gospel it's not just that he's spreading a gospel that Jesus has broken down the barrier between Gentiles and Jews, but he's saying that in the face of a lot of people that don't want that message to be out Mm -hmm. and true. Mm -hmm. And so, well, the law, the law is our thing and our ethnic marker and our identity and where we find it. And that's what Mm -hmm. Paul's speaking against. But if you don't know that if you just read it at face value it's really understandable, isn't it? How a lot of people just take what Paul says, and they're like, "Well, that's how I'll think about Old Testament law." Then, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's such good like advice.
2: Mm-hmm. I think for youth for youth pastors out there who are thinking about like bringing a message to your youth week after week and wanting mm-hmm. to call them into a different kind of lifestyle, this is so essential for us to see. Like, you're not asking your students. To um, give up the ways of the world because that's going to earn them a place in heaven, right? Mm-hmm, you're yeah. you're calling people to a yeah. way of life that is um, congruent with their testimony of people who belong to Jesus. Like we live, we live in congruence or in alignment with with that testimony um, because it's our mission. It, this is how the world is supposed to see what God is like and who Jesus is like is by watching. The church watching the people of God um, bear His name.
0: That's really good. So I have a practical question. Then you know we get this a lot in the youth ministry world. Kids come to us and say, "God seems really angry in the Old Testament, Mm. or He seems really harsh in the Old Testament." What Mm. advice would you give to a youth leader who has a kid that comes to them and asks that question? Mm.
2: Read my book, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, yeah, Mm. like because the the Really, the heart behind um, my book, Bearing God's Name, is to help people recover the grace of God in the Old Testament. And I've had so many people reach out and say, oh, wow, I didn't realize how much grace there was until you helped me see it. Sometimes we don't know how to look for what's there. We don't know how to see what's there because we're reading it through the wrong lenses. Um, yeah. When I read the Old Testament, I see so much patience, so much forbearance on God's part, Um giving his people a chance over and over again to make things right. Um, and, you know, think think about the golden calf incident. When the people are worshiping the golden calf down in the valley, where is Moses? He's up on Mount Sinai, literally getting the plans for the tabernacle, which is the means by which they can restore a broken relationship. So before they've even broken the relationship, Moses is like God's already providing to Moses the means for restoration, like this place that will safely allow God to live in their midst and where they can um where they can say I'm sorry and, and make atonement for their sins. Wow. And so like God, God is anticipating, He d- yeah. He doesn't expect that we're gonna be perfect. Yeah. He says, Oh, you're human, you're gonna mess up. I want this to work. So Let me put some boundaries around this. Let me provide a means by which you can be restored. So people think, oh, they had to go through all these these terrible processes. Like, look how strict things are in Leviticus for the priests. And like, you know, that... That strictness is what's allowing God to live in their neighborhood. And if you read the first seven chapters of Leviticus, where it's describing the different sacrifices that were made at the tabernacle, the the refrain over and over again is, and they shall be forgiven, and they shall be forgiven, and they shall be forgiven. Like this actually works. God planned for a means of forgiveness for people that he knew would need that.
1: And if I'm playing like ancient Near Eastern Jeopardy, that's like things Marduk would never do for you for 500, right?
2: Totally. (laughs) Totally. Once you have
1: the context of like the pantheons in ancient Near Eastern, like, you know, religion, then you have a markedly different kind of God.
2: Yes. And that's what I think, uh, that's another thing that I think is so different, um, when you when you look at the law at Sinai and compare it to the sort of religious system people lived under in Babylon, oh. you know, worshiping Marduk, the nations had sort of a guess and check system of religion where if the crops didn't grow, we must've done something. to mm. anger one of the gods. We don't know exactly what it was and we don't know exactly what's required of us, but let's try a bunch of things. Let's sacrifice a bunch of things or try a bunch of divination to see if we can figure out what to do. Yeah. And, and in contrast to that, Yahweh shows up at Mount Sinai and he says, here's what I expect of you. Yeah. And if thing and here's the bad things that will happen, the the consequences of not living according to these laws. And then here's how to, you know, when you're ready to repent and want to be restored, here's how to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not guess and check. It's like yeah. the beauty of having a clear set of expectations, clear consequences, and a clear path to restoration. That is gracious. Mm-hmm. That's
1: beautiful. I, my mind went to, to the Iliad, how they're like, you know, this great plague is broken up in the camp. Let's throw a hundred bulls at it and see what happens. Yeah, it's yeah. the first thing they do is they sacrifice a yep. hundred bulls. Can you imagine? Right. And if you're an ancient Greek reading it's that, nice. you're like, well, why wouldn't they do that? That's, that's yep. how our gods work. Right?
2: Totally. I have I have in the book uh, uh, just a brief excerpt of a prayer to any God from Babylon,
1: yeah. and
2: it's it kind of exemplifies this angst that ancient people felt as they approached yeah. their gods. May the God, whoever he is, be reconciled. May the goddess, whoever she is, be reconciled. Oh, my God, many are my wrongs, great my sins. Oh, my goddess, many are my wrongs, great my sins. I do not know what wrong I've done. I do not know what sin I've committed. I do not know what taboo I have violated. I and mean, that's just a selection of a long prayer that's just like, yeah. let me see if I can cover all the possible bases because clearly I've ticked you off and I don't know how to make it right. Wow.
1: No. Yeah. It sounds so ancient and modern at the same time.
2: Actually. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like the same human angst to yeah. profoundly know that we're loved and treasured and that there's a plan for our lives is still there and people still have it today. Yeah, And I guess just to wrap up real quick, what I love about what you said is it sounds like whether you were an ancient Israelite or whether you're living in light of the work of Jesus, there's a great exodus that has happened Mm -hmm. on your behalf Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. any expectation that you carry God's name with with all you have. Mm -hmm. And just as a a dad, when I instruct my kid, you know, I don't just want to Pound him for mistakes, even though he makes a ton of them. I mean, every impulse a nine-year-old has is essentially wrong and breaks stuff. <laughs> you know? a boy. He's like the Tasmanian <laughs> devil, uh, the cartoon, you know, he just spins around breaking things. Um, but I always ground him in, well, you're a Schaefer, and this is this is how hmm. we do things. We're not a proud people, we're a short people, but this is how we do things. And hmm. we have a great name to carry. And that's like a gift and a blessing, yeah. not an angry threat. Does that make yeah. sense?
2: It's an invitation to a really, a, a really weighty responsibility. Like yeah. I think sometimes people feel like, oh, my morality, my ethical choices don't matter a whole lot because in our culture, we emphasize individualism so much. It's just about mm-hmm. me and Jesus. And I ask <sighs> Jesus in my heart so that I can go to heaven when I die. Just Mm, very individual, very future-oriented. And what I'm trying to do is help people see you have been invited into a family, into a larger story, and you actually have a hugely significant role to play in that story. So it's not just, oops, you screwed up and made God mad. It's Mm. by failing to bear God's name well, you're actually living at cross purposes with your identity and vocation. And I think young people need to know my obedience matters, Uh not because somebody's just, there's a great scorekeeper in the sky, but because, because I have a, I have a status in the kingdom of God, Uh whereby my behavior actually makes an eternal difference. And so I think if we can reframe for young people, like, here's why it matters to live and do things God's way. Um, It it takes courage to step out against culture. It takes courage to step out against maybe how your peers are living and make different choices and try to align yourself with, with God's word. And it's not just, well, I'm not feeling it today. So I guess it doesn't matter. I'm just little old me. Like every one of us is, is playing out our vocation on the world stage. And so it matters. Yeah. Because if you
0: think about it, if, a kid gets hurt by a Christian kid, they don't say, I don't like that kid. They say, I don't like Christians. I yeah, don't like the church.
2: Exactly. And we do not have to read very many news headlines before we mm-hmm. come across one about a Christian leader who has not dared bore God's name well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's when everybody's really paying attention when a when a Christian college president is caught mm-hmm. embezzling funds or sleeping <laughs> with a student or yeah. something like yeah. it. And it, it does reflect on more than just that president and that institution. It reflects on the name of Christ more broadly. That's how God set it up to work.
1: I love that idea though. Um, because I mean, it's never, it's never hard to find a negative example. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can find a terrible example Of carrying the name of God or living out the kingdom of God very fast. But just as a youth pastor, my heartbreak for the past couple generations of students has been that they actually get justice really well. They get everyone Mm -hmm. getting a fair deal Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. well. They're angry about um, not owning up to our responsibility to care for the world. They get those large concepts. But yeah. they don't seem to think it matters what ethical personal decisions they make, or mm-hmm. what they put in their bodies, or that their dating lives look differently. And I just think what you said is powerful. Mm-hmm. A, threat, a threat that like Zeus or some kind of sky grandpa is mad at you, <laughs> not compelling. A community and a family that you belong to, where you carry a name. That's a great invitation. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Which actually leads us into our next discussion with Dr. Imes that we're going to be doing for our next episode with her. um, That teaches us to carry God's name in some certain aspects of ministry that we're going to be touching on. So yeah.
1: Cool. 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 Well, friends, as always, if you want to go farther, faster with reclaiming kind of the world and context of Jesus and taking a look backwards at the Jewish roots of our faith to look forward to the best possible way to disciple students, head to firstcenturyyouthministry.com. Join us at Facebook in our group, First Century Youth Ministry. And uh, we always love when you say hi. We'll catch you real soon. Bye, everyone.